We are still looking at matters of the heart and today's matter is stubbornness. Why not come on in and let's see what else we can discover about stubbornness. Are you ready? Let's go. Today, let's talk about stubbornness. I'm sure you know someone that is stubborn. Uh, It could be that you are stubborn. Well, I know for me, I have been and can be stubborn. Let's go in and find out what stubbornness really means. Now, the dictionary says that stubbornness is having or showing dogged determination not to change one's mind or position on something, especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so. Did y'all hear that? Dogged determination. Now, if you have a dog, you know what I'm talking about. Now, I have two and one of them is more bent on hanging on to something more than the other. And his name is Robbie. And when Robbie gets that toy in his mouth, it is so hard to get it out. He refuses to let it go without a struggle. He has to be overpowered to let it go. Now he is definitely determined to keep it. So stubbornness is indicative of not really wanting to let something go or to change your mind about something. Now the Hebrew definition says that stubbornness is resisting any help or any attempt to change your course of action and there's no amount of reasoning that will alter your direction Mm -hmm. and whenever i try to coax or we try to coax roxy uh robbie to let it go oh no he's still he's pulling and he is resisting stubbornness is a serious transgression. God God considers stubbornness a sin. He talks about it in Deuteronomy, the 21st chapter, verses 18 through 21. And um, this is what he said to Moses. And he had Moses write this, that if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, when they have disciplined him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of the town. They must tell the elders their son is stubborn and refuses to obey. He eats and drinks too much, y'all. He is a glutton and he is a drunk. He has no control. He has no discipline. Then all of the men of the town are to stone him to death. By doing this, you will remove the evil from your group everyone in Israel will hear and be afraid. Do you hear this? Do you hear how serious stubbornness is to God? It is a transgression and it has serious consequences, okay? It can result in 
death. So the disobedience that the child showed toward the parents was ultimately showing disobedience towards God. And listen, God does not want us to hold stubbornness and to be difficult to change our course of thoughts. He wants us to get rid of our stubborn hearts because this type of attitude can cause damage. This defiance is ultimately against Almighty God. And so he does not want us uh, to have this kind of behavior and he doesn't want this type of behavior to spread. Now, if we refuse to rid ourselves of our stubborn hearts, then we're setting ourselves up for severe trouble. Look, go with me to Romans chapter two and verse number five, because I know some of y'all say that was in the Old Testament, that Deuteronomy thing. But let's go over here to the New Testament where the apostle Paul is writing. He says, because of your stubbornness, what? He said, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath. You are making your punishment greater against yourself, okay? It does not, you know, benefit us to hang on to stubbornness. We need to let it go because what we're doing is storing up wrath against our own self. We're making punishment against ourselves. Good. Look, God will repay each person according to what they have done. That's verse number six of Romans chapter two. And then verse eight says, those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be anger and wrath. Now, God is also going to to reward those who live for his glory, those who honor him uh, by doing good continually. He's going to give eternal life. He's going to reward. But there is a punishment for hanging on and holding on to stubbornness. So as we can see, stubbornness is offensive to God and it comes with severe punishment. Now this morning, I want to show you a few examples. I hope I can show you a few examples of stubbornness played out in the Bible. And the first one that comes to mind is that fellow called Pharaoh, the one in Egypt, not the one that was good to Joseph and Joseph and his father and his siblings, okay? Not that Pharaoh. There's a new Pharaoh in town. This is the Pharaoh, the king who refused to let the children of Israel go when God came and told him, let him go. He was the one that had enslaved Israel because he was a afraid of how they had increased, you know, they had grown exponentially. So uh, God had told Moses that Pharaoh would not let the children go and that only a great power his mighty hand, that is, would force him to do so. Now, we already know that God knows. This shows us that, that he knew that Pharaoh was stubborn and he was going to use what was already in Pharaoh's heart against him because Pharaoh, he was dog determined not to change and no amount of reasoning was going to change his mind. So, um, you know, 
I, I hope many of you are familiar with this story. If not, go to the book of Exodus. Read it. It is impactful. There are lessons that we can learn from it. Y'all, that's why God had it written so that we can gain insight and wisdom, that we can see how God works for his people. God will work for you if he is for you. Remember that? Remember that if God be for me, oh yeah, baby, who can be against me? So look. After God has commissioned Moses to go, Moses and Aaron, they go and they confront Pharaoh. Now, we pick this up in Exodus chapter 5. So I want you to be assured that Moses and Aaron are the instruments. God is the player. Y'all better hear me. They are just the vessels being used, but God is the one that is, is orchestrating this. He is the one that's actually uh, doing the work. So this matter is between God and Pharaoh. Now we can go back to Exodus chapter three. I think I've talked to you about this before. God said these words to Moses in verses six through eight. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Israel. I mean, in Egypt, my bad. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Y'all hear that? God has seen, he has heard, and he is concerned about their suffering. Now these, he said, are my people. And if you are God's people, you better bet he's feeling the same about you too. So he said, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. All that means, y'all, is that it is abundantly supplied. And he says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing him, them. So get this, this matter was truly between God and Pharaoh. Pharaoh has no clue what he is up against. Pharaoh thinks he's the man. He thinks he's the one in charge, you know, because he's the king and he issues out orders. But what he does not recognize is there's a king higher than him with all sovereignty and with all power. And when he speaks, when he acts, things change. So Pharaoh was stubborn. Mayor Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh and they say, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Now I want you to see here that Moses makes it clear that Israel was um, the possession of the one and true God. Hey, they may be enslaved in Egypt. They don't belong to you, Pharaoh, or your uh, country's gods, but they belong to the one true God. And so he says, through Moses, this is what God is saying through Moses, let my people go. And y'all, this was a directive. This was a command. This was not a polite request. It was a demand. It was an order. 
<laughs> but look at old Pharaoh. Pharaoh responds exactly how God expected him to respond. You know, God knew from the beginning that Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go. Remember, that's what he told Moses. And so Pharaoh, I believe, is saying this with sarcasm. Like, okay, so uh, who is the Lord? <laughs> who is he that I should obey him? And why should I let Israel go? Y'all know how this went down. I don't know him. I don't care about him. I don't value him. I don't fear him. Who is he to me? <laughs> Y'all know, cause we've done this. We've done this, maybe not towards God, but we've done it in other situations where we've had this type of attitude when someone comes and demands, I'm like, who is she? Who is he? Well, anyway, he says he refuses to let Israel go. Now this Pharaoh is thinking so much of himself as a leader. He thinks he's this great power, you know, because he's leading the Egyptians. And he looked at the Hebrews or the Israelites as a neglected, poor, enslaved people. And because they were such, he was thinking their God was inferior and could not do anything to rescue them. Now Pharaoh's refusal to let the people go resulted in severe brutal actions against the nation. Yeah, it did. God would consistently send Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh with the same consistent message. It was the same message each time. And each time, Pharaoh would not relent. The message was, let my people go so that they could worship me. So he remained rebellious. He was full of stubborn pride. So God sent plagues among the land. You know, there were 10 plagues total. But at each plague, Pharaoh had an opportunity to earnestly repent and let the people go. But because of the stubbornness in his heart, he couldn't do it. He refused to let them go. You know, when the uh, waters were turned to blood, he didn't do it. When the frogs were everywhere, he didn't do it. When the gnats or lice uh, covered everything, people and animals, he didn't do it. And then... Um, after this plague, the um, there was a separation. I'm gonna say it like that. There was a separation between Egypt and Goshen, where the Israelites lived. God made a distinction that the next things that occur will not happen in Goshen. Now, I really do believe that these things happened in Goshen in the beginning so that the children of Israel could see that, hey, God is working. And now you're going to see a, dis a difference that what's happening over in Egypt, I got my uh, favor surrounding you, so it's not going to happen. I got up my shield to protect you, so it's not going to cross that line into Goshen. Y'all better serve this God because he is good. He is good at making a distinction between those who belong to him and those who don't, especially those who mistreat his people. Stay with God, y'all. Stay with God Almighty, the God of the uh, Israelites, the one who sent his son Jesus to die for you. That's the one you stick with not these other gods they got out here. Anyway, so Pharaoh's 
uh, magicians had said to him, look, we cannot replicate this plague. That's the one with the nets and the and the lice or the lice or the nets, however you see it in your Bible. Because see, they could turn the water to blood and they could cause frogs, but they couldn't get rid of it. They couldn't turn the water back and they could not replicate the nets. And so they told Pharaoh, this is the power of God at work. But see, Pharaoh refused even to listen to them. His heart, his heart rather, was hard. And again, this was no surprise. God knew this would happen. So now there are flies. God sends Moses and he tells him, let the people go to Pharaoh, but he will not listen. So there are flies all over the country. They're ruining the country. Then um, there is another plague that comes and that plague is the plague of the cattle. They became sick of terrible disease. Then there was the, the plague of the boils. Sores broke out on the skin of both animals and the people. Then there was um, the plague of hell, but God gave a warning about this plague of hell. Now, Pharaoh did not listen, but some of his officials did. The Bible tells us that they quickly put all their animals and slaves into houses. Y'all can read about that in chapter nine. And others who ignored this message, they lost all. They lost their slaves and they lost their animals that were not under protective covering. So, you know, during all of this, Pharaoh is hearing, but Pharaoh is stubborn, dog determined, and it does not matter the convincing that is before his eyes, the reasoning, the examples, the calamity, he still will not change his mind. So after the hail, God sends the plague of the locusts. Now God asked Pharaoh this question, y'all, this is in chapter nine. God said to Pharaoh, how long will you refuse to obey me? Y'all, it kind of reminded me of uh, Elijah. When Elijah asked the people, how long will you waver between two opinions? This, 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 this right here. God says, out of all these things I showed you, you still will not relent. You still will not release. You still will not repent. And that's because he's dog determined to keep his position and to not change his mind. Y'all, what is that? That's called stubbornness. He was stubborn. So God asked him through Moses, how long will you refuse to obey me? Let my people go so that they can worship me. Now y'all know God could have stopped this uh, whole thing quickly. He could have done it with a snap of his finger. God could have said a word and the whole situation would have been turned around, but he did not do it. God had purpose for this display to Pharaoh. God also wanted Israel to witness his mighty power and his awesomeness. He wanted them to tell their children and their grandchildren about the miracles and how God dealt with the Egyptians. He wanted Israel to know that he is the Lord and Egypt would know it too. See, this is what we got to do. We got to tell people, and your testimony is good, what God has done for you. So then Moses announces that there would be 
locusts, and that everything that wasn't destroyed from the hell would be uh, eaten up and that the locusts would fill their houses. Now, get this. Now, when this word goes to Pharaoh, then some of Pharaoh's officials go to him and they ask him a question too. They're like, how long will we be trapped by these people? Let the men go to worship their God. If you don't let them go before you know it, Egypt will be destroyed. Now, I like what the NIV says. The NIV says it like this. Do you not realize that Egypt is in ruins? Get this, y'all. Stubbornness affects your sight. You cannot see plainly what's happening around you. You, not, you will not admit that you're creating more problems for yourself. Hey, let's go back over to Romans chapter 2. Where Remember where it says, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath, making your punishment greater against yourself. And Pharaoh was causing uh, damage and destruction. He was causing difficulty to the land of Egypt. So it affected his sight. The lo uh, locusts came, then Moses prayed, and the locusts left. Then there was the plague of darkness. For three days, it was dark in Egypt, complete darkness. They couldn't see their the end of their hand. Y'all, we ain't never been in that kind of physical darkness, all right? But look, in Goshen, there was Light. Now, all these things happened to the Egyptian people and still Pharaoh remains stubborn. He refuses to relent, refuses to repent, refuses to relinquish, right? He is bent, bound, and determined, dog determined to have his own way. He is losing. He has lost this battle, but he does not have the sensibility to see it. Y'all, he cannot see what's right in Front of him. He has no room in his heart to uh, uh, allow something else in. And that is what's really going on. All right. So now we come to this final plague and it is, it's the one that finally convinced Pharaoh to let the people go. And that is the plague of the firstborn. So God says, I have one more plague to bring against Pharaoh and against Egypt. And after this, he will let the people go. He will ask you to leave Egypt. And that's exactly what happened. Now y'all know about the plague of the firstborn. That's when the death angel went in and killed killed every firstborn, whether it was a people of animals, but wherever the blood was on the doorpost, he passed over. And so at midnight, God did exactly what he said he would do. He struck down the firstborn. This was horrible. This was hard. There was wailing heard throughout Egypt. The I mean, the, the result of someone's uh, stubbornness, stubbornness, stubbornness is this agony that these people are feeling, this pain that they are feeling. You see what can happen, the consequences 
for uh, not following and obeying God, not repenting, not letting go of stubbornness. This is what happened. Pharaoh's heart caused this, caused this sorrow, this great pain, and this devastation. Now, y'all, I know that God said that he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and he did. It also, the Bible lets us know that Pharaoh hardened his own heart, and we can see that Pharaoh was just stubborn. But all of this was done to show God's great power in Egypt to show his great power to the Egyptians as well as the Israelites. God brought judgment on that nation. He had already told Abraham that he would punish the people that enslaved his people. He would punish that nation. Pharaoh was defiant. And if we look to his example, we will see the need to examine our hearts and to examine them intently. Are we resisting correction? Are we dog determined to stay with attitudes and positions that go against God and his commands? Guess what? Our desires are no match against God because God is going to win every time. Decide to follow him. Let go of stubbornness. There is no good benefit from it. Okay? There's no good benefit from it. Now, we know that even after this, the Israelites left uh, Egypt. They were leaving joyfully. When the word gets back to Pharaoh, he and his officials have a change of heart. They are really sorry that they let him go. As a matter of fact, they say things like, why did we let him leave? Why did we let him run away? We done lost our slaves. Are you kidding me? After everything you just went through, you still want those people? Y'all better consider that. Some of the things that we have gone through, we need to let them go and not desire them back. Let it go. Let go of the stubborn heart. So we know God ended Pharaoh. He ended and they drowned it in the, uh, in the Red Sea. And, and that's important. God will fight for his people. When he hears our cries, he fights for us. He sees us. He knows what's going on. But we got to be people who are not like Pharaoh. We cannot be stubborn to the point that we cannot see what's happening. We got to let it go and let the love of God come in and heal us of our stubbornness. Now, these Pharisees, I'm jumping really quick. I only have a few more minutes. The Pharisees, they were stubborn too. They were stout-hearted. They did not want to change their attitudes about Jesus. They saw the miracles he performed. He heard. They heard the teachings that he gave, but they were totally resistant to him, and they sought ways to kill him. Instead of rejoicing when people were healed, Y'all, they were irritated. They were angry. They refused to celebrate or join in in celebrations because of their hearts. They were determined to not let Jesus in. Y'all, we cannot be people who refuse to let Jesus in. We've got to reject stubbornness. We've got to replace it with submissiveness and surrender to the one and true God Almighty. All right?
So Father, we thank you today that you've shown us that stubbornness has no great benefit and that Father, when your word comes, that we need to take heed to your word and follow it and obey it because it's better for us to obey you than to store up wrath for our stubborn and unrepentant hearts. We thank you, Father, for giving us this lesson. Now may our ears and eyes and hearts be open to receive and do. All right, y'all, this has been your daily dose. And remember, a daily dose of God's word is good for the soul. Be blessed. Thank you.